Welcome to an episode of ARG Presents that's operating at 300 baud. I am Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who allegedly operates at 56k, but we all know that's a lie. I give you the Brent. I'm a solid 28.8. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Remember, the reason I mentioned that, do you remember they, when the 56k modems came out, everybody was real excited? Yeah. And then when you got them home, they weren't running it nowhere near no 56k. Oh, no, no, no. It was, they were, that, that number was a, uh, a bold-faced Inf- lie. inflated pipe dream. Yeah. So, in, in case you're wondering why we're talking about 56k motors, we spun the wheel last week at the very end of the 10-hour uh, Thanksgiving marathon, Brent. Tell us, what, tell us what we come up with there, bud. We decided that we are going to be looking at, or the wheel decided, really, yeah. BBS games. That's right. BBS door games. Now... Uh, I am old school, as you know, and I re- remember distinctly uh, stumbling upon board games in a local BBS back in the day. Uh, do you recall re- the, the, when you were first exposed? I know I'm sure I exposed you to them. Do you remember the, uh, uh, anything about your first experience of being able to play these things online? Um, no. Uh, <laughs> I remember. I certainly remember playing them. Uh, there are a few that stick out in my mind. Uh uh, oddly enough, one we're not really going to cover in depth today. Drug Wars was probably my top played uh, door game back in the day, just because it was preteen or barely teen. No, it was preteen me, and Drug Wars was a was risque. Uh, yeah, and there were tons of things I didn't even understand at the time, but uh, uh, I felt rebellious playing it, so that that pushed me along. Yeah. I, uh, that was one I, d- I didn't play that much, to be honest with you. But you're right. <clears throat> when you played some of these, they did give you the feeling that you were uh, uh, stepping into a, a, a forbidden world yeah. to play some of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's sort of BBS is on the whole in a lot of ways. Absolutely. You know, you've got you've got to cut that feeling. Now, uh, I was first exposed to BB or to uh, door games on a BBS. I believe it was 21st Century BBS out of Dunbar, West Virginia. I think it's the first place I saw door game. And uh, uh, they were very, you know, it, this was, I'm guessing, I've, I've been pondering the timeline on this. Because we got the Coco, I believe, in 82, I believe, or eight, somewhere in that ballpark. Sounds about right. So this would have been right about that time. It would have been the early 80s. And uh, th- it's funny that the game I'm going to talk about today was already sort of there. Uh, but the first game I played on there, I believe, was a wrestling game or something. It was something real goofy. Oh, it was a gambling game. Now think about it. Uh, that BBS door <laughs> games. Let's try to explain what these are to people. Um, <clears throat> we should probably explain more than that. So what is a BBS, a bullet board system? This is when you would take your, your home computer and a modem. You would hook the modem into the phone line, or you would set your, if you had an acoustic modem, the phone would set on the modem. And then you would have your uh, computer or do it yourself. You'd have to dial the number to a, another computer, a phone number, that would be waiting to receive the signal uh, that your computer was there. And they would have a handshake. They would make these hideous noises. <gasps> Beautiful and, noises. And then they would, they would, they would uh, join forces, and you would be connected to someone else's computer. And at that point, a menu will come up where you would log on, sort of like logging on to a message base or something now. And you would log, put your name and your password in. And then you would be have access to a, a series of menu choices that would allow you to do things like send electronic mail. Uh, you could also uh, uh, there was a, usually a message board there, or or a series of message areas where you could chat with other users. 
not in real time, mind you, but it, uh, just like a message board is now, you know, uh, on on the internet, it, they would come back later. A, a Reddit type thing where you can <clears throat> post something, that's and right. if you set that refresh, it will pop up, so you can kind of have a delayed conversation. That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, and uh, they, you could also download files. Now, downloading files was not a huge thing early on due to the ludicrously low speeds. Uh, when I first logged on to the internet, uh, we, were, we were running, in, uh, I had a color Computer 2. I was using a modem IB, which is a 300 baud modem. Now, the advantage of the modem IB was it was not an acoustic modem, so the computer could actually, uh, uh, the computer didn't have to have the, the handset of the phone didn't have to be on the right. acoustic coupler. Uh, and then you would, you would dial the number, flip the switch, it would, uh, and you were good to go. Uh, later on, modems got to the point where they, you could just hook a phone line into them and they would dial and, and they could, you know, do raw, it was a lot easier. Absolutely. Um, so amongst the things you could do with files were, were download mostly text. I downloaded a lot of text, some smaller <coughs> pictures. NCR. Uh, the, uh, the downloads are, uh, were incredibly slow, so you had to keep the things incredibly small unless you had a lot of patience. Most BBSs weren't going to let you tie up their phone line for two or three hours downloading a couple pictures. Uh, they, so they wouldn't put that sort of thing out. Now, eventually speeds increased, and the, the big speed was to, uh, the jump from 300 to 2400 baud. Now, the increments of, of speed on a modem were, uh, they weren't always as I speak. I didn't go, some people didn't go for 300 to 2400 baud. There were 1200 baud modems yep. in there. <clears throat> and so some people would go to those. There were even 150 baud modems uh, early on. Fifty, yeah, and so you would, and so you never knew uh, the person who was logged on to your BBS. You never knew how fast they were going to go, and you really, what you wanted as a BBS owner was to, you wanted people that had faster modems. They could transfer information quicker, and what that meant was they would tie up your phone lines less because yeah. all the people that had BBSs they were usually running this out of pocket on their own home phone. They may have a separate line. Very rarely did you see a BBS with multiple lines in the old days, but there were some. Bigger BBSs that had, would have two or three or four phone lines running into yeah. them, which opened up a lot of possibilities, which I'll get to. So file transfer was a thing. Now, like I said, one of the things I used to download a lot was like uh, hacker stuff, stuff on fra uh, freaking phone freaking, and a lot of stuff on like uh, uh, anarchist cookbook. You know, b doing all sorts of evil stuff like making pipe bombs and all the like so you know stuff that would it's funny that back in those days no one gave a crap yeah this is a different be, world you'd be double killed now for doing that stuff uh, and even making your own drugs and stuff they had all i mean you never tried this stuff if you were smart but you it was there yeah and you didn't know who wrote this either so it could be like who knows uh, but aside from file transfers and messages the other big draw to uh, bbs's was door games yep. Now, door, what doors were were the ability to run like, sort of like separate programs that would run on the BBS you were on, <clears throat> and they were all the, most of the ones I saw were, were were games, and these door games were simple uh, uh, games that were based uh, entirely almost on text with some what are called ANSI graphics. ANSI graphics are these sort of it was this, a, a graphic standard. That was basically made up of like various different type uh, colored blocks, you know, like cursor blocks. Uh, and so what you got there was just sort of chunky art style that some people uh, were so good at it was unbelievable. I mean, yeah. Some people were incredibly talented, and anti art really came a long way. Uh, it, there was none of it at first, and then slowly it crept in, and eventually it was 
everything had the anti art, and all the BBSs had these really awesome logos and whatnot, didn't they? And it was it was uh, anti art is is still a somewhat practiced art form, mm -hmm. but back in its heyday, uh, really watching it grow up yeah. <clears throat> was something to behold. Mm -hmm. right. And something to mention here before we get a lot farther for people who don't didn't use BBSs and don't maybe don't understand them specifically. When you logged into a BBS, it was that person's BBS. It, that person's BBS didn't talk to someone else's BBS. You logged into their world. It was like going to a website uh, today where there were thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of BBSs worldwide, yeah. but they weren't connected. Well, so, eventually, they, they, you had something like a FidoNet or something where right. they would exchange email. Down the line. But it wasn't like the internet. I mean, you're right. These were separate. These are entirely separate entities unto themselves. Yeah. And what that meant was you might play a game on one BBS and then go to a different BBS and play that exact same game, but it's a, it's, you're starting over. It's a whole different right. game. Right. So that's something to keep in mind, and that was definitely something people did was try to find games on different BBSs that had, were at different levels in the game or, you know, so they could take more turns, but we'll get into that a little bit more later. Sure. Uh, now, you're probably thinking, when did this all this begin? Now, as far as I can remember, the first BBS came online, I think it was in Chicago. It was at right around 1978, okay? And now, door games uh, the, uh, sort of had, they came from actual p games that were made back in the day at college and stuff. So they they kind of mo got moved up, yeah. basically, into door games. And so, the uh, early 80s to mid-80s is when you started seeing these things. And they really had a, they really got better and better and better. And they matured into some really uh, very slick games in the mid-80s up into the early 90s. The funny thing about BBS games, as with BBS is so with their games. And by the time uh, the late 90s rolled around, that scene was literally went from uh, going strong to being completely gone. Yeah. I mean, if the internet killed it dead, dead as Joy Caesar. Now, I don't know when you stopped using uh, <clears throat> BBSs, Brent. Did you use them uh, when you were not here? Did you use them when you were at college or anything? No, absolutely not. Uh, I think when we got Earthlink, which was our gateway to the internet, uh, that was the end of BBSing for me because yeah. they had not the same but equivalent games uh, in chat rooms. Like I remember going to Palace uh, was yeah. a graphical chat room that would sometimes have games, uh, sort of like BBS door games. Yeah, and that's what what I transitioned into. And even like um, one of the things that helped launch AOL into uh, uh, and a lot of the online services, they had their own separate games yeah. that you could play there that were effectively board games. And so, and, but they were very popular. And what AOL and uh, uh, CompuServe, CompuServe's another one had these games early on, is that you could actually play with a lot of people simultaneously. Yeah, those you were know? when, <clears throat> those were uh, more MUDs than door yeah, games. Yeah, and we should talk about MUDs. Uh, I had a good buddy, the Chud, everyone knows the Chud, he was a, the Chud was a mutter, and he would play these games like you were going out of style. I believe the one he played was a vampire game. Uh, but mud games, multi-user dungeons. Now, these would be, these would, uh, do you want to talk about, you played a little bit more of this stuff than I did. Well, muds were essentially door games, but on a grander scale. Yeah. Um, a lot of times there were uh, uh, a, a faster-paced interaction, I guess. 
it was uh, less about, I mean, there were still, some of them were still turn-based, but most of them weren't. Most of them were just letting you pretty much go and do whatever you're going to do. And the grind was sort of the same. You'd go out and get experience and level up. But uh, MUDs focused a lot on player interaction, uh, which, I mean, door games did too. Yeah. MUDs are really just, I, I don't want to say more in-depth, but more expansive, maybe they were. They when of course muds were around the whole time. Yeah, they were. You know? They were door games and muds were hand, were hand right. in hand. Yeah. So, but when you think multi-user dungeon, that what you've got there is just a lot of people. It's usually combative. Yeah. And you're in there, which door games are a lot like that too. But they're they're mud sort of a special. Like we should probably do a show on mud sometimes. So we we can do an exclusive mud show. Now, we both played a lot of BBS games. Yeah. So I thought before we got into our individual games, I'd go. I just ran over some of the uh, some of the games that actually were deemed popular by the good folks over at the WIC, because I'd heard of a lot of these games over at Wiki. So I, I just grabbed some here, and I thought we'd talk about it. So, do you remember playing uh, Legend of the Red Dragon? If yes. You're, if you're watching our our video feed here, <coughs> the the background of this is the is the opening screen from that door game. You said, what did that was that one that you enjoyed? It was not one that I, I played a ton of, yeah. but I, I did dabble in it because it was a fantasy realm thing. Yeah, yeah. All right, now what about a game called now I remember playing this quite a bit, a game called Netrunner. I didn't play that now Netrunner was a game it was a uh, cyberpunk. If you're game, a right? if you're a William uh, Gibson uh, neuromancer efficient uh, uh, like I and I love I love that stuff, you know. Uh, this was a game where you were you were uh, your object was to break into computer systems and steal money and get past their ICE, which are which were their uh, countermeasures. You know, um, sort of like I'm trying to think what movie would be that you could compare this. They really haven't Blade done Runner ish. Yeah, well, no, not really. Uh, uh, unfortunately, Neuromancer, the the fine book that it was, where where about a hacker that would get into these like uh, virtual computer worlds and break away their, their security to infiltrate their secrets. It really hasn't been done uh, in the cinema. I'm always surprised that Neuromancer never got made as a, as, a, as a film. But it was like a game sort of based like that. It was a lot of fun uh, to play that one. Um, another one, Brent, that we both uh, played was Solar Realms and Solar yes. Realms Elite. Now talk a little bit about that one. Oh, I... <laughs> The specifics of that one, I, I always mix up with Trade Wars. It, they have and having, similarities. And having recently, you know, re-experienced Trade Wars, uh, I, I could not separate the two. I honestly can't. Solar it's War, just been too long. It was just a game where multiple players battled for a, for a game domination. It was sort of like that, amassing forces and whatnot. Right. It was very similar to a Trade Wars. But we played the crap out of this. Uh, like Brent said, different BBSs had different... Uh, games and some games were a little hot, super hot on that BBS, and then you'd go to another BBS, no one was playing it. It yeah. was very strange, wasn't it? Because people would make a decision which BBS they were going to get into. We've mentioned this before on uh, when we did that BBS talk and certain this too, but we were all obsessed with with Solar Realms Elite to the point where we would, it, when you play these games often, you'll have a set amount of turns that you can take care of in a, in a, in a 24 hour period. And the reason for that was they didn't want to sucker hanging and banging on the BBS all day without actually uh, getting off lo- off the phone line. Yeah. And so you'd have a set amount of turns. On Solar Realms, on one particular board, I don't know if this was every board, but if you got if you logged on to their BBS exactly at midnight, you could actually get a, a bonus set of turns, effectively. Yeah. And so we always would try to try to get that midnight grab. 
and often uh, doing some real evil stuff. And like I said, I, as I mentioned at one time, including and not limited to having the operator break it on someone's line because it's tell them it's an emergency to knock them off the off the line. A lot of people had what what was called call waiting back in those days. And when if you had call waiting and, uh, and you were on a BBS, it would knock you off because it would make a series of tones that would confuse the computer. If you, you could turn it off, but a lot of people didn't. So that was something else people used to do is try to knock each other offline. Yeah. It was a cutthroat business. I like the fact <laughs> that the real world and the and the other world have came together. Uh, what about Pimp Wars? Did you ever play that one? I think that was a offshoot of Drug Wars. I think you're right. Uh, and I, I played Drug Wars quite a bit. Well, okay. I played Drug Wars more than most of the other ones. How's that? Yeah. So, uh, and Drug Wars was all about, you know, it was a GTA-style game where uh, it focused on buying and selling drugs. I never thought of it like that. A GTA-style board or DOS or a BBS game. Uh, and then, you know, you could sleep around in Drug Wars. Uh, uh, it, it was more of the seedy underworld bit of, of board games. Right. Um, a few of these I've not heard of. Maybe you have. Uh, do you ever? Do you, and this was apparently a pretty popular game, The Pit. Did you ever play that one? I don't recall. This was the a pit. gladiatorial games uh, door mm. that you would play in. What about Operation Overkill? Nope. No, that, that doesn't ring a bell to you. And the thing about <clears throat> these is, some of these games might have been, like you said before, uber popular. Uh, you know, one phone number to the left. But we, since we didn't, maybe even didn't even know about that BBS. Or that BBS was long distance to call. Yeah, uh, you know that really limited your access. Yeah, and it's funny you would. There were door games I'd never heard of before that would just show up on. Like I said, there was a pro wrestling one on Guy in the States BBS, and I never saw it anywhere else. Yeah, uh, and I was like, wow, this is uh, this is nutty. It was kind of fun. And those sysops, the folks that ran these BBSs, would go and gather these games. I, you know, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. And anytime a new game would come out, uh, I remember they would make a big deal about it. Or when a game would reset, that was a huge deal. And that's when basically uh, folks in the game have become so powerful or have reached a power level so high that it's unfair for everyone else. And they'll yeah. say, look, at, at X amount of time, we're resetting the game. Yeah, and, and, so, it and would, that did happen. And it would tick off some people, you know, who had played a long time and got this huge character. But everyone else was real excited because everyone was going to go back to zero. Yeah. That uh, was a big deal. Something else that would occasionally happen is the BBS would crash or the hard drive would be gone. And you yeah. Would, so these things were they definitely, they had issues that you couldn't, uh, 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 you know, circumvent. The, if, the, if the SysOps hard drive went down, you were boned. Uh, or you know, if those, at least the BBSs that were running off a hard drive, that, which that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, a couple more I want to touch on real quick were uh, VGA Planets. Now, I saw this pop up on the list. Now VGA Planets is a, is a game that I played offline. I never knew this was a door game. So really? I that kind of interesting. And it was a, it, it was the sequel to EGA Planets, by the way. In case which, you're, I, I've actually not played that. <laughs> so that's that's another good one. So, but we used to have a lot. Of, we used to have a lot of fun. With DBS door games, so it's. I will say it's nice. It helps in a category like this to have some experience yeah. ha having played them. So, um, I want to mention that our we had a, a, a big helper this week. Yes, and I want to talk absolutely. about him. We, I got an email uh, a while back from the sysop of the Convolution uh, BBS, which I believe he's in chat right now. Yes, uh, and we used hit we used the uh, Convolution BBS. To uh, log in, and he's got a incredible, uh, ridiculous amount of door games on there. 
he is uh, sort of an online museum of door games. He's a real nice fellow. And I will uh, uh, give you his information at the bottom of the in video. In the description but below. if you're interested in having a look at it, uh, just why I've got you on here, if you go to uh, convolution.us, that's C-O-N-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N.us, you can also tell net to that same address, uh, and you can get right in. Uh, it's, he's got uh, open enrollment. Uh, you can log right in and sign up immediately. Hey, I'm on there, uh, uh, and so is the Brent. Uh, I'm Amigo Aaron, I think on there, Brent's ARG Brent, I believe. Uh, and so you can see me stomping his scores because I will probably keep my Trade Wars game going since I've started it. And also, I found a great planet the other day, so there you go. So, we, again, big, big thanks to uh, him. A real nice fellow, his name's Jonathan, and we appreciate you uh, letting us hang and bang on a convolution. Good, very good BBS. And you'd be surprised, there's a quite a few BBSs that are you know back in action that you can use the Telnet to, yeah. uh, and, and it works out great. So. Uh, there you go. And Telnet, uh, you probably don't know this. A lot of people don't know this. It's still in Windows if you go to the Add or Move programs and you can, yep. you can turn you it right. you got to add it back in. Yeah. So with all that said, Brent, <laughs> let's go ahead and kick it off. Now, you picked a game this week. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I not, had never played this one. Yep. And I'm, did you have you played this before? No. I, I went in and I, I to the BB, or to the Telnet and to the where you just talked about and, and looked at their list of games, the popular games. And I saw Food Fight. And I said, Food Fight? I've never even played that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that is very odd subject matter for something where these games were usually more adult-oriented. And I don't mean that as in 18+. plus. I mean that as into it was mostly war and fighting and death and killing and that sort of stuff. So I thought, I'm going to take a look at Food Fight to see if it was something different. And it was a completely different theme from anything I had played before. Uh, Food Fight had originally came out in 1987. Um, And of course, as with all these door games, uh, they kind of grow and evolve and have bug fixes. And this one had that treatment up into the mid-90s. Somewhere between 92 and 95, the, the update stopped. But that's a long time for something like this to be continuously updated. Uh, tabling with the code from the back. And this is a whole, the whole game is you're in a cafeteria at an elementary school <laughs> and you're starting a food fight to try to get uh, your pennies, that's what they use for money, uh, from your fellow students. And if you got caught by the teacher, or the principal or something, they'd drag you out of the classroom and you'd have to game over. Yeah. So, how do you make this interesting? Well, you do it a few different ways. And this does sort of follow the formula of most door games, um, but it's, it's very simplified, which I, I was happy for. I was very happy for. You have a few choices when you start out. You can get into a food fight with a random NPC, and that's how you kind of grind your levels. You can choose someone else in the cafeteria by name and throw food at them. Uh, you can gamble your pennies to try to get more pennies. And the reason why you do that is with your pennies, you can buy uh, more messy food. And you can buy clothing that hides food stains better. So you get up here and you uh, start your food fight. And you pick an NPC, 
and you're throwing food at them, and it tells you how messy, how many stains the other person's getting. And stains are basically your hit points. So you're throwing food, you're throwing food, and you have to decide whether you want to, you know, run away or if you want to keep fighting. And eventually, you, you beat them. And they either get hauled off to the principal if they don't give up, uh, or if they run away, they drop some of their pennies and run away, but they're still alive. So <clears throat> you gather up their pennies, and the, the thing I recommend doing, go and wash your clothes. Yes. <clears throat> so you go and you wash all your clothes, and that costs money, but uh, uh, it allows you to have more hit points. It's basically refilling your hit points. And you keep doing this until you can buy new equipment, new food, uh, to challenge people that are higher on the leaderboard. And you have rankings which, you know, show how uh, dominant you are in the cafeteria. Uh, and there's a fair amount of food and uh, clothing to buy to level up your character. It's a simple door game, but it's in that simplicity that anyone can really pick it up. This is a great My First Door game game because it's easy to understand and uh, uh, it's fun to go in there and grind for a little bit. Did you get the same experience from it? Well, it is it is a simple game yeah. uh, compared to like the one I'll be talking about. But uh, uh, I was able to move up the rankings quite quickly, haven't played it. It's wacky. These are the kind of wacky things that would just turn up. Yep. I mean, it's exactly what you would expect. Uh, and uh, um, I, I, I thought it was okay. Like I mean, it was simple, you know. Uh, and I was able to... The, the one that I got caught by the teacher a lot and got kicked out. I did. Did you did you try the gambling at all? I did. You, know, I, you might want to talk about that a little bit. Well, that was I, cool. I lost a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, did. Um, I was the same way. And the way uh, door games work is uh, a lot of the good ones, and this is uh, on that list. Will allow the sysop to change elements of the game to make it unique to their BBS, so you can change the name of the the names of the foods <clears throat> and really that allows you to localize it too if you yeah. wanted to that was something that was kind of that was kind of neat back in the day you would see that sometimes people would go in there and mess around the code right or whatever, yeah. uh and you can change the name of the clothing <clears throat> you can change the type of npcs you're fighting like in this one you're fighting uh, like line cooks or uh hall monitors Folks like that that you would find in an elementary school that kind of makes sense that you would be food fighting with in a cafeteria. Uh, but being able to go in and make those changes kind of keeps it fresh. Uh, and another thing you can change is all the odds. Uh, how often you can win in a gamble. Uh, how much damage or how many stains a food might give. Uh, so I think you start out throwing, what, grapes? And, <clears throat> you know... A grape only causes between like uh, one and five stains. Well, if the Sysop wanted it to be a more high-powered game or to give little guys more of a fighting chance, they could go in and change that to where grapes might do, you know, three to seven stains, which will allow you to get out of that early pocket faster. So that's something, what we were talking about earlier, where you go to one uh, BBS, play a game, and then go to a different BBS, and even though you're playing the same game, it's a completely different game. And you, there's n no part of gaming uh, 
uh, outside of maybe mods that you can compare that to in modern day. Yeah. So, you know, still, all that said, this game, it was okay. It, it, was, it didn't do it for me. If, it, it was okay. I'm not going to say if you're a seasoned BBSer, run out and play Food Fight. Because that's not, in my opinion, that's not what Food Fight's for. Food Fight is... If you are hearing about BBS door games for the first time, maybe this maybe this episode is like, I want to go check this out. Play some Food Fight. You can pick it up. You can know exactly what's going on uh, in 10 minutes. Um, and it will allow you to transition into more complicated games easier. Because yep. the flow is always the same. That you, you do a keyboard stroke that gives you an action that makes text appear on the screen and something happens. But <laughs> that's that sums up a lot of things. But here's the thing. If you've never done that before, that's complicated and it, it's weird and it might not be familiar to you. In the context of like uh, trade wars or red dragon, that's a lot to take in. But Food Fight really condenses it down to its basic components, and this is a great starter game. It's a great starter game. I like the fact that there were some like built-in guys you could fight uh, before that, that weren't members of the actual BBS. Uh, I, I believe I fought Cookie Monster and a couple of yeah. things that were built in. Yeah. Um, I was able to uh, instantly crush my first couple opponents, and I, 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 passed, I passed ARG Brent rather quickly. Well, I'm, and I moved up to third place uh, on this. But I'll, admittedly, this this the particular game hasn't got a lot of play in say the past seven years. But uh, I was now I will say the top three places, the top two places are that that are way 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 up there. Yeah, you really have to work. Uh, for so it. I'll have to work hard to pass you on the past those. But I crushed I crushed right past you, no problem. And something I want to mention on this, uh, I played all of this on my phone through a web browser. Yeah. Uh, it, I'm not saying that's the best way to play it because you have to use their simulated keyboard yeah. and uh, uh, it definitely slows down the whole process. <clears throat> but it's doable and it's something that you can play two or three turns, put it in your pocket, be done with it yeah. um, on the go. So that's a that's a new way to experience these door games. You know, the irony of it is we used computers... And telephones to dial up BBSs uh, in the '80s, and now we're actually using the phone to dial up and play the B <laughs> the, it. the game. We need someone to run the BBS off a phone, and we'll be laughing. <laughs> so that is, I mean, that's a quick description of Food Fight, but that's because that's what it is. Uh, a few things to mention: the, this game did get a sequel, Food Fight Two. It's a, a bit more colorful with a bit more stuff going on. I, I just barely dabbled into it but it's still the same concept of you're in an elementary school and uh you're throwing food at other people this is a wacky concept i should mention that the fact that you're somehow getting money from people by throwing food at them and 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 all this it's all wh incredibly wacky oh i like it because when they when they get taken away the teacher grabs them and jars them and the pennies fall out of their yeah. pocket um You'd think that the, the person that was getting caked in food would not be the one to teach your, the teacher manhandled. She'd be manhandled <laughs> on the one that threw the food. Nope, nope. Because they, they, the, it actually covers that. In the story, it says that if you're clean, then the teacher thinks you're not involved. 
So that's why you have to stay clean looking. That's why if you get too many stains on you, you get taken away. So it actually does cover that. Um, last thing about Food Fight before we go. Uh, I was browsing around and found a DOS version of this game. Oh, yeah? Um, I didn't get to play it. I only saw it in just brief passing. Uh, and I'm assuming it is just a standalone version of this that someone, you know, ported into DOS. Not like it'd be difficult, I don't believe. Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of kind of keen. Yeah, interesting, interesting game. So, we'll move along now. <clears throat> when BBS Door Games are talked about, one game is talked about in hushed tones. The granddaddy of them all. Yeah. The number one door game of all time. Now, I will say, I played a lot of Solar Realms Elite back in the day, but this is the game that, that kicked it off for me, and this is the King Dong of door games, and I'm referring to Trade Wars 2002. Yeah. 2002. Now, uh, the, the history of the Trade Wars is uh, a long and uh, colorful in a certain, to a certain degree, and the lineage of this game is it can be traced back into the 70s. Um, there was a, the, there was a game named Trade Wars. It was a basic game on a believe it or not, it's sort of like we just covered a TRS-80, mm-hmm. uh, aka the System 80, the Dick Smith System 80 we covered. Uh, Super and this, 80. This game was from way back, and it was even based on a, a, theoretically a lot of this stuff is speculative. But Trade Wars that came out in the eight in '84 was actually sort of based on a game, a basic program called Star Trader, that was even further back. All right, so this is we're talking way back in it's the got, '70s. Yeah, it's okay? got history. So it has history. For um, sure. The fellow that created the original Trade Wars by that name was a fellow named Chris Shurik. Okay, uh, Shurik. Uh, uh, gave this a, it was an open license on this thing so it immediately got messed with and got and it got ported to a BBS and it appeared on the no change BBS system in 84 and so a lot of games came from the original trade wars which including and I've heard, played a couple of these one called Galactic Armageddon which I didn't play the other one called Yankee Trader I have played that one Yankee Trader these are spin-off games that sort of uh, took the uh, the code and concept of the original trade wars and just did some other stuff with them yeah. <clears throat> um we're going to talk about what I consider the apex part of the Trade Wars uh, name, which would be Trade Wars 2002. Now, this game uh, debuted in 86. Yes, uh, not so, 2002 like right. you might think. So keep in mind, <laughs> Trade Wars was around before this, the original Trade Wars, which mm-hmm. I had played the original. And then this one honed in the view. Well, this one upped the ante uh, significantly. This one was done by a fellow named Gary uh, Martin and John Pritchett. And what they did was, it's funny, the story I read on this was Trade Wars, a lot of people switched over to a, uh, uh, a different sort of BBS, and, it, and the different BBS would not support the original tra- Trade Wars. It was on a different code. Yep. And so I believe it was WWIV, which I, actually, I, WWIV was a great BBS uh, back in the day. That I was, it was probably my favorite one to get on. That's something we should have mentioned, but BBSs were not all the same. No. They were totally different, and you had all kinds of different pr- people running different programs, and WWIV was the one I liked the most. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> so these guys ported over at Trade Wars, and boy, did they go crazy on the additions. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons it got uh, jacked up to the nine so much was that one of the guys in it was, guess what? 
he was a games master for a game called Traveler, which is a, a, a role-playing game. Uh, I believe it's a, a space role-playing game. Mm. Uh, uh, and uh, he added a bunch of like additional flavory goodness to this <clears throat> that takes Trade Wars 2002 from being just a straight-up uh, uh, march around the universe to like add a lot of color to it. Right. So, what is Trade Wars 2002? Uh, you begin as a basically a space captain of a small ship, and you are given a small amount of money. And a ship, I believe, has twenty hulls. Yeah. And I believe you get seventy fighters. I think is what you start off with. And you are it, you are tasked. And that with, number is adjustable depending on your BBS. Yeah. You you're tasked with traveling the universe to make your lot effectively. And so what you'll do is uh, you'll type in sector numbers. Uh, and when you go to that sector, there could be a uh, there could be a planet there. There, it's not often, but occasionally there could be a port there. Much more often, and occasionally there could be like a star base there. Yeah. And what you do at this point, most of the time you're going to see ports. You and of course this is all this is all t uh, text, you know, for the most part. But what you're going to do is dock at the port. <clears throat> you're going to buy goods. And you're going to haggle for the price of these goods, which yep. is part of the game. And if you do a good job of haggling, you'll get a couple experience points. And then you're going to, the goal of this is to take these goods, travel to another port, and sell them for a better price. Yeah. That's the backbone of Trade Wars. That never changed uh, up through there. Now, that in, that in itself is would be lame, wouldn't it? <clears throat> so uh, what? No, that's not good enough. <laughs> uh, you, uh, what you need to make this spicier is you need some enemies, you need some alliances, corporations, you need uh, aliens of all sorts. <clears throat> and so, sprinkled throughout this incredibly huge universe are, uh, aside from enemies, you're also going to have other players, you're going to have mercenaries flying around, you get all kinds of crazy stuff that you've got to deal with. So, asteroids, <clears throat> aliens, it's not just, it's not just, uh, uh, combatant things, you might just run across space, space debris as you're jumping around and run into it and damage your ship. I, don't, I never did that. Yeah, it happens. Already, haven't yeah. you? Asteroids. So, once you've got your goods, you travel to another planet, you you dock and you sell your goods, and you haggle for the price, and you'll buy some more goods and travel around. You can play the whole game just like that. Yep. But what makes the game more fun is the ability to take the money you earn and buy upgrades. You can buy ships scanners, short and long range scanners. You can uh, buy shields. You can buy new ships that have more hulls, that are more combat ready, that are that are catering to your play style. Hold bigger fighters <clears throat> or missiles where you don't need fighters. You also have alignments. <clears throat> are you are you with the feds or are you against them? You your alignment goes one way or another depending on what you do. Uh, so there's a lot to to the game outside of the uh, uh, just the sta standard trading mechanism. You've also got uh, the ability to occasionally you'll come across a planet. Uh, the planet may or may not be guarded. Uh, often there, you know, sometimes you get lucky and when you get lucky and find a planet and, and there's no one there, uh, you're, you're in business because any of the goods, these planets will generate goods and, and colonists and fighters on their own that you can just take whatever you want. Just take them. Uh, and you can like what I of course I'm the game I was playing on Convolution again it hadn't been played for a while so I was able to go around to a lot of the plants I found using my scanner and just grab ownership of the planet for my corporation the the uh, Amigos Retro Gaming uh, conglomerate that I've built and I went around and I would take these plants and take all their goods and you can instantly make a lot of money just by going back and forth and selling that stuff 
So that's great. And so that's always a lot of fun. You can also go to these star bases, and then you open up a whole different section of the, of the game where you can do your ship upgrades, where you can do uh, uh, upgrades to your uh, corporate. You can do corporate stuff on these places. You can do, there's a bank. Yep. And the thing I like, there's also, a, there's also always a bar. And the bar, you can go in and you can hear rumors. Uh, you could also uh, go, you can, I went in, you can change the beat, the message that plays when you go into the bar. So I, I, I put a lot of, of uh, Amigos graffiti and, and ARG graffiti in the bar. And if you're too poor to pay the 100 credits to do that, you can always go into the bathroom and just sprawl a message on the wall, which I thought was good. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, uh, also, I should mention that there are Ferengi that travel the, the galaxy. Now, if you recall, the Ferengi were the bad guys in the Star Trek The Next Generation. And these guys, well, uh, they're effectively jerk aliens that will yeah. come up and, and hose you. And now, when so there is combat in this, uh, you will sick your, uh, you'll pick the amount of fighters you want to go after somebody with, and and depending on the size of their fleet. And if you win, you'll capture fighters, and you'll and you'll capture money, and you'll, and you'll get experience points. Uh, experience points go to lifting up your ranking. Yep. You know, it's all uh, there's a it's a deep uh, deep hole when you go in this. There's a lot to do uh, that you wouldn't even consider. Uh, in terms of, uh, if you have a good, when we played this back in the day, you'd have hundreds of people playing. And so you would have uh, huge corporations made up of five or ten people each that were going to battle. Yeah. You know, and they, you know, and you'd have to go in and help them. Uh, this game was a single player experience for uh, a long time. I believe it was in 92, they opened up the ability to have multiple live lines into this game. And what that meant is you would have, and this I actually got to play with it like this, uh, you would have multiple players playing at once on the site in actual combat. Yeah, real time. Which was really cool, you know, to do that. Uh, and, and so that was always a lot of fun. Uh, I just saw this pop up. I forgot to mention there's There's a game in this universe called Tricon. It's a it's a gambling game that you can go play at the Bard, and it's a it's a unique game. <laughs> you pick three random numbers up here, and you you have to pick which number you want in which slot. So so you'll say, okay, here's your first number. Where do you want it? I'll put it in the third slot. Okay, it's a nine. Wait, here's your second number. Which slot do you want to put in the first? Okay, it's a one. And then the second might be a six. You got one sixty nine. It's random, but it makes you sort of feel like you're doing something. <laughs> and you play ten rounds, and you try to have a better score than the computer. It's and you gamble with it. It's pretty fun. I like the, I like the gambling elements. There are some role playing playing elements in this that you would that were pretty foreign to most uh, online BBS games, uh, including just randomly. Like I was just I was coming out of the bar last or two nights ago, and I got uh, smacked in the back of the head. They took a big chunk of my money. Just, <laughs> Yeah, yeah stuff at like, random events. Stuff like that, uh, which I thought was funny. Now, something else that the Trade Wars 2002 guys added were occasional, beautiful, antsy graphics yes. to go along with their game. Which you will have no idea how much that helps a game. Well, it was at the time, it was a real unique and different twist yeah. on how the, game, how the game looked. And it gave the game some extra oomph. You know, uh, to, when you when you logged in to, to play it, you, especially because, like, for example, when you logged, you went to a star base. The picture of the star base would come up, and the menu would have the base in the background. It was real slick looking. It was. Now you, I know you played this back in the day, yeah. and you went back to it this week. What what were your thoughts? Well, there's a few things that you that you didn't mention. <clears throat> uh, your hull, when you're you're basically start out as a trader ship, right? Um, and you can actually increase your hull size and. 
each ship has its own maximum haul size. And some ships are definitely geared more towards battle. That They might not only have, you know, 10 haul. I think the first ship, you can expand it, can't you? You can't, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, how far yeah. can it get? I think it's like 75. Oh, okay. Um, but you... I usually ditch it pretty quick. When you get into the game and you start, uh, and you have your planet that if you have people, you can make them mine resources, you put in a number. And you basically just put in a random number because the star map... It, even though you use numbers and coordinates to, to fly around, one isn't next to two. It might go right. one, 430, 69, 12, you know, so you can't logically plan something out. So you just put in a random number, and it flies you through so many uh, segments to get to that number. You might say, I'm at segment 100. I want to fly to segment 650. So you start at 100, and then you go to 389, and then you go to 214, then you yeah. go to 11, and then you end up to where you were going. I always wonder and if you could map this out I, in, I in don't some think, way. I, I don't. Well, yeah, I yes, mean, you theoretically right. could, but there's. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're talking you're at sector 1946, 1982. I mean, you're talking tens of thousands 10, of sectors. Yeah. yeah, and as you travel along your path, different things happen. You might find star bases, you might find planets, you might run into debris. Uh, and if it's a good seg uh, segment, it will actually change the color on your uh, text. So, it, like, if you run into debris, like an asteroid field, right, it will actually make those numbers from now on come up in red so that you know if you're flying, don't go there. Don't if you type yeah. in that segment. It's like no, no. You you know you've already been there. You've discovered that it's an asteroid field. If you go there, your ship's just gonna get these hurt. These are these are. By the way, I should mention that these changes were made after trade wars because in the original trade wars, I don't even think you had the ability to warp straight. Like in this, you can say like Brent said, if you want to go to sector one, you type it in. It says okay, it's gonna be X amount of jumps to get there, and then you could pick okay, go there immediately or go there uh, incrementally, so you can see if there's something you want to stop right. and, on the way. I don't think the original you could do that. I think you just basically had to try to find your way back. I don't remember having trouble getting around. This was a lot easier. I had to say playing it this time around, being an older, I found getting around a lot easier. And if you had, what I used to do is have a pad of paper beside me, and I would write down sectors that had stuff in that I, that I really wanted to know about, like planets and, and where I, or if I built a base. You can even make your own planets if you have oh, a yeah. Genesis torpedo, like in Star Trek yeah. 2. And... I would write those down, and now you could literally write those down and just go right to them, provided you uh, could get there without running into a bunch of trouble. Or something else that can happen is you can be intercepted by aliens or whatnot. Yeah, and here's the other thing. that Each starship, there's three resources in the game. Each starship, or starbase, I should say, buys and sells that stuff for different things, for different amounts. You might get lucky and find... One starport selling fuel for 10, and the starport right beside it buys fuel for like 500. Yeah. And you can just bounce back and forth in between those two ports. You know, it's, if it's a short jump, there's nothing, no danger in between it. Uh, just bounce back and forth. Eventually, the prices do start to level out. So you can't do it infinitely, but you can make a lot of money that way. It's funny, in a, in a game that has so few people, like if you come in early, like those prices take forever to do that, and you can really go to work on those. In a lot of, there's tons of places you can make money. But it's all about, the, 
trade wars is exploration. As really no other, in my opinion, door game that I've ever played does it. It makes you want to find those places so that you can bounce back and forth to make that money. And then you have to find starports to upgrade your ship. You know, there there are a few starports that generally, and this again can be changed by the sysop, usually uh, uh, segment 1000 is sort of like a safety zone. It's Federation space. It usually has a starport. It usually has ship upgrades. But everything's limited. There's never a time when you just have, un, like, I'm going to buy unlimited hall spaces. You can't do that. You have to go explore, find where they're selling them, and then buy them. Same thing with fighters for your ship. When you send your fighters out and some of them get blown up, you don't just get them back. You have to go somewhere and find them and, and get them into your crew. Yeah. Uh, and the or leave a lot of colonists on a planet and let them stick them in there to do that. Right. Yeah. The ex- and you can get colonists, take them to a planet, and mine your own resources. Yeah. So instead of having to buy them to sell them, you are producing them. The game is huge and expansive. Yeah. And it really... This is one that if, you, if you've played door games and you haven't played this, I, I don't believe that's possible, first of all. Yeah. But if you are that 1%, go play this game. You will appreciate it so much. Uh, the modern day equivalent to uh, trade wars is uh, Elite. Yeah, Elite is it, Elite <clears throat> is a graphical rendition of trade wars. In a lot of ways. Yes, and even the most uh, recent Elite Dangerous has all of these elements where you uh, you know jump from planet to planet, buy and sell resources, or you can produce your own resources through mining. Yeah. Uh, so that tells you that the base concept is so sound that we're still playing it, you know, 30 years later. Yeah, it's funny how easily I slipped back into this, to yeah. be honest with you. You would think, I'm telling you, and I'm as bad as anybody. You look at these, you're like, oh, there's a bunch of text scrolling by. This is crap. But it, it, it was a lot of fun. And what I would love to do is get into one of these where it's a real active scene. Now, uh, I will say, doing a little research on this thing, um, <clears throat> Believe it or not, this this game is still being refined to this day. Uh, there's huh. a, a lot of people. In in '97, it was a DOS standalone version that's released that that was that was just out to to uh, play you know on your own machine. And then eventually, in uh, believe it '98, they released a, a basically a Trade Wars game server edition where you could run your own servers of this uh, for uh, for you know online play. Uh, via that, and now there are places that I know there are plenty of places online that run their own trade wars variant games. Uh, this was even licensed for a game. I don't know if this ever came out. It was it was called uh, Trade Wars Dark Millennium from Realm Interactive. Do you remember? Have you heard anything about that one? Uh, this was a game that was in the early 2000s. This was something that was being batted around because I read something a diary from the guy that did trade wars. He was talking about signing a licensing agreement. So. You can, you, there's still plenty of opportunities to get your Trade Wars 2002 game on. And if you uh, feel froggy, come over to Convolution BBS. I would love to get a bunch of people in there to play because it's this is one game that is more fun with more actual human players. I agree. The excitement of coming across someone's fleet. Like, you're, I remember this back in the day. You're hunting other players after you get so powerful. Yeah. And when you come across their fleet and they're just hanging out and you, and you look at your fighter count... And you look at theirs, you're like, I, you could take these. 
I mean, in one night, you could log on and you could have your whole, you could be gone. Your whole score is gone because someone came in and smashed you and took all your stuff. And that's the game. It's not like you felt like you got ripped off. That's the way it is. You got to put yourself in a, you got to park yourself in a dead end sector or with Federation a, space with, with, a, with a with a big ton of with a ton of guys. You can even take on the Fed if you're big enough in, yeah. in this game. So it's it's got a lot of awesome awesome uh, possibilities. So if you haven't tried Trade Wars. I would give that one a shot. I think it's top shelf. Yep. You know what else is top shelf, Brent? What's that? It's the wheel, brother. Let's oh. fire that sucker up. So, Brent, what did we add this week, my friend? We added another one for the Thanks for Giving, the uh, Sorn S- uh, M5. Yes. We so, had a lot of fun playing this, didn't we? This was uh, something we had a high piece for Thanks for Giving, and we said we're going to come back and look at it. It's on the wheel. We're going to try to get it right now. All right, go for I would, it. I kind of like it. You don't like have to it. pick that specific one. This is teamwork right here. <laughs> look at that. Our heads are sideways. Oh, oh, All right, what oh. do we get, Brent? Have a look. Let me see here. The winner is, oh boy, here we go. The Epoch Super Cassette Vision, Brent. The wow. Now, you added this to the, uh, You. this is one of those wacky, mystery pie pieces you added without us having any idea what it is, didn't you? Admit it. Admit <sighs> it. Yes, that's what I thought. So we don't know. I have tested the Epoch Super Cassette Vision. <laughs> Did I get that right? Yeah. Epoch Super Cassette Vision. And it is emulatable. So we're bouncing back into the realm of the bizarre. Hey, when you come up with these bizarre pie pieces, don't, don't turn your head <laughs> in shame when they come up, pal. Listen, we've had a lot of fun with some of these wacky offshoots. It's true. And so. you know what? We're learning them. Our community's learning them. And we're we're growing our gaming knowledge and library together. So, I'm, you know what? I'm actually all for it. This could be That's fun. That's right. Um, Look how much fun we had with the VTech during the marathon. That's right. Let's talk about the marathon. If you didn't join us for the marathon, uh, I'm sorry you missed it. Uh, it was a 10-hour gaming extravaganza where me, Brent, and occasionally the boat who joined us a little bit late, came over, and we played 10 straight hours of wheel-spun action. Uh, and the pie pieces were all suggested by you, the listeners and viewers, so we appreciate it. And we appreciate everybody showing up. We had a lot of fun, didn't we, Brent? Yeah, it was a good time. Um, of course, all of our streaming is now on Twitch, and I know some people didn't know we were doing this, so uh, I am slowly releasing the hour-by-hour uh, segments. Actually, we're doing it spin-by-spin, spin. so effectively... I've got, uh, it's almost like a new show for every hour. Yeah. And so I've got uh, I've got another uh, five or six uh, episodes to go, but we're releasing the uh, the marathon on YouTube. So if you want to watch it, feel free to hop over there now. Uh, I think so far what we've got up is the, uh, uh, I think we've got. The, up to four. Uh, yeah, we're up to the fourth, fourth spin. So check it out if you get a chance. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to our good buddy BarkBit. Who does our closing music segment, and to yes. our g- good buddy the Dunk Duncan Styles for his uh, awesome Tron-like three-dimensional graphics of absolute doom. Yes. And once again, I want to shout out to our good buddy uh, over at the uh, Convolution BBS, our good buddy Jonathan. Again, if you want to check out his uh, BBS, and we strongly urge that you join us on there, uh, you can go to http colon forward slash forward slash convolution us. That's C-O-N-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N dot U-S. You can also go there with telnet colon forward slash forward slash convolution dot U-S as well. Uh, in your telnet, you can pretty much, there are also specific programs you can use to, t- to, to telnet to stuff. So it's a good time. We had a lot of fun playing it. And I, 
I will say I'm not done yet. I'm going to be back doing some board, some door game action. Probably when we get off the air because I got to take, my, I got to play my game today. <laughs> any any parting thoughts, Brinster? Uh, you know, I I had more fun with this than I thought I was, and uh, it, it just reminds you, just because these old uh, text door games uh, are long since gone and upgraded on, you can go back and play them and still have a lot of fun. Correct, Amundo. So we'll see next week next week for the Epoch Super Cassette Vision. And until then, open the door.